0: Welcome to episode four of Your Ageless Musical Brain. My name is Lucelena, Elena and my very special guest today is an innovative thinker, Dr. Alice Cash. Dr. Alice is a leader with a PhD in musicology. She holds a master's in piano performance and a master's in social work. She's a consultant in music medicine integration in hospitals and ambulatory surgical centers at Surgical Serenity Solutions. Dr. Alice has made a difference in people's lives, using her expertise in music and introducing it to the field of medicine. Some life events create dangerously elevated levels of anxiety, stress, and fear, in which these can be very detrimental to our brain's health. And here to tell us more is Dr. Alice Cash. It's an honor to have you, Dr. Alice, on the show, and welcome.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on your wonderful podcast and to let people know about the power of music drink surgery. Thank you
0: so much, the honor, is mine, Doctor. Doctor, you invented the cordless, preloaded musical headset that is now used in hospitals throughout the U.S. and international. These headsets are not the ordinary headsets we use on a daily basis. So how did this journey begin? How did your journey begin and what inspired you to create these musical headsets?
1: Well... I'm glad you asked and I could use our entire time just giving you the blow-by-blow story of how it started, but let me see if I can kind of put it into a nutshell. After I got my PhD in 1990 in musicology, I was offered this wonderful job at the medical school at the University of Louisville's School of Medicine, and they were starting a new program called the Arts and Medicine. And I was hired to be the very first coordinator of music and medicine and to do research on all the aspects of medicine that could benefit from music in an effort to reduce the amount of drugs and chemicals that people were having to to take because the pain medicine um, epidemic was already starting with opioids and, and all of that. So the idea was to use the arts and specifically music in my case to help as many different health situations as possible. So I started out doing music with Alzheimer's patients, which we've known for a long time. Music is very beneficial with them. Uh, I did a study on the power of toning, vocal toning and chanting as a way of calming the mind and body. And uh, I started getting invitations to speak around the the city, and then around the state, and then around the country. And in the course of speaking uh, about how music affects the mind, body, spirit, one of my dear friends who is a music therapist said, Alice, of all the things you speak about, the music with surgery is the one that people don't realize how important that can be. Because people mistakenly think that when you're having surgery and you're under general anesthesia, that you're not going to hear the music and you're not going to be affected by it, but that's not true. So that's where the journey began. That was about 1994. So originally I thought, let me just work one-on-one with surgery patients that come to the hospital where I work. And that was going way too slowly. So I went to one of the hospital administrators and said, how about we put together a set of CDs that would be played in the OR. And uh, they they were interested, but they had no idea how to make that work. I said we could license these CDs. We could sell them as the University of Louisville Music and Surgery CD, and um, so that was that was not moving very fast. So, skip to two thousand five. I was a member of the National Speakers Association by then, which is a wonderful part of an international organization for speakers, and they put on a conference that was about product innovation. So in 2005, I went to Cancun and met with hundreds of speakers from around the world, and I took a class called product innovation. And the product that I thought of was, you know, I had been trying to think, how do I get the music to the surgical patients to calm them down and to reduce the amount of medication they need? And I thought, wait a second, what about putting a chip in some headphones that would have soothing, calming music in different genres so that everybody can have their particular taste in music as calming pre-surgery music and um so the the professor at this course who was an inventor himself he said okay you have to do a patent search to see if anyone has gotten a patent on this idea and it turned out no one had and when i started mentioning it to surgeons and anesthesiologists they all said That's a great idea. I can't believe nobody ever thought about doing that before. But no, you should definitely do that. So uh, in 2008, I got the patent. And in 2009, I started selling headphones that I created that had a chip with the music on it, just like I had thought.
0: And doctor, your headsets have also been tested and there has been research done on their effectiveness. Yes, yes right? Can you uh, expand on that?
1: Sure. Uh, the VA hospital, the Veterans Hospital here in Louisville, Kentucky, decided that the best thing they could do to help me get this idea out there was to do a study on uh, patients. It was veterans who were between the ages of 1865 having major abdominal surgery. And there was a music group and there was a non-music group. And so um, about Probably 50 patients used the music and then 50 had the same sort of procedure without using music. And the results showed that those who had the music headphones during their surgery needed less opioids for pain management after the surgery. And they used less anesthesia and less anxiety medication before. But the biggie was the opioids. We were trying to reduce the amount of opioid use by supplementing with music. It's not instead of opioids. It's not instead of anesthesia, but it's supplementing so that you don't need as much to get the very same result.
0: Right. Doctor, what you just got finished saying is part of the introduction that I gave about you, how you make a difference in people's lives, because that has created a problem through the years when Individuals who have gone through surgery, they get hooked on, on these painkillers.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: And uh, that affects the brain in the long run. That's, oh, sure. That's detrimental. Thank you so much, doctor, um, for making a difference in people's lives. I got to say, hats off to you. For our listeners to to understand, what is the difference between music therapy and music medicine?
1: Again, I'm so glad you asked me that because there is a lot of confusion. People tend to use those two terms interchangeably. But music therapy requires a music therapist to be present. A trained, certified music therapist creates a relationship with the patient. And that's why music therapists usually don't work with surgery patients, because surgery patients come in one day and they're gone two or three days later. A music therapist creates an ongoing relationship with a patient who has perhaps Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, children with cerebral palsy, even newborns in a NICU, the neonatal intensive care unit, has music therapists. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that in the hospitals here in New York. But the thing with music medicine is the music is the intervention. You do not need another person. In other words, I can prescribe headphones for surgery patients, but I don't have to be there for every surgery. The music is on the headphone and the instructions are very clear and simple. So that is music medicine. When music itself is the intervention, in music therapy the relationship between the music therapist and the patient together choosing the music that they need and that makes them get better that's that's the difference
0: that's the difference yes and with your headsets nurses get trained am i right to place well, them on they, on patients
1: yeah they they do, but really the training is just how to turn on the headset and how to explain to the patient the benefits of using this music. It's always, uh, an option. You know, nobody is going to have to use it, but the nurse simply explains to the patient that people who listen to the music of their choice and they can choose classical, jazz, new age, lullabies, or memory care music. And when patients have this music prior to the surgery, during the surgery and into the recovery area, they typically use less opioids, less anesthesia, and less anxiety medication. And not only that, one of the things I I really want to add is when patients are in surgery, there are conversations they don't need to hear. And in joint surgery, they have drilling, hammering, and sawing. Oh, just the... (laughs) And and, I mean, who wants to hear that? Who wants to hear that? So, the thing that really was one of my um, final straws that made me say, I've got to create headphones for the patient and not just have ambient music playing. In other Mm -hmm. words, not just a speaker in there, not just uh, the doctor's iPhone playing or something, but the patient needs speakers because that blocks these conversations that are very upsetting sometimes for the patient to overhear. They're not intended for the patient to hear, but the patient hears a nurse say, this, this doesn't look good. This is worse than we thought. And that obviously affects their their whole body, you know, and their, their anxiety level. But the final straw for me was a nurse came to me and said, one of the doctors, one of the surgeons at our hospital is playing the song, Another One Bites the Dust. When he does surgery, wow! I said that is not okay. That's horrible. What if you thought your surgeon was playing that during your surgery and thought it was funny?
0: They associated, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So that's when I said we're going to have headphones for the patients that play purely instrumental, soothing, beautiful music, usually music that is not familiar to the patient, because we do have such strong associations. Yes. And you never know if you play like a popular song from the 80s, let's say, and that's the song that your boyfriend broke up with you when you all were listening to that. You don't want to hear that during surgery.
0: That's going to hurt.
1: It's going to hurt. Frozen mm-hmm. music that yeah. is mostly unfamiliar music in that genre. So classical music that's not even really familiar classical music, not familiar jazz, not familiar new age. Uh, yeah. The lullabies you might recognize, but that's mostly for kids that they listen to that during their surgery, and then the memory care is for older people that it it's not going to be a problem for them to hear tiptoe through the tulips or in my Mary osmobile
0: yeah and and uh, doctor, to paint a picture in the minds of listeners, imagine being Ready to have, or knowing that in a couple of days, right, you're going to have surgery. The first thing that person associates, I've, I've personally never had um, those the kinds of surgeries that you, that you're mentioning, but I understand that for some of these surgeries, you have to be awake. You have to be alert because you're being asked questions. Is that correct?
1: That's correct. The orthopedic surgery, the knee replacements and the uh, all of the joint replacement surgeries, the patient is sedated. But they're not asleep right. and so they're they're given a drug called a hypnotic. so they don't really remember what what happened, but the doctor needs to say, yeah, wiggle your toes and uh, bend your knee and things like that. It has to have cooperation right. so that's where the music the the nice thing about my headphones is it blocks unwanted sounds, but if the doctor comes up and says, wiggle your toes now." you can hear that
0: okay so t- to be clear right and so that our listeners are clear the headsets block the noise right or the conversations but the the uh, medical staff can approach the patient and yes. speak to them up close and that's when they get to hear everything that that medical staff is asking correct needs
1: them to hear right they hear what they need to hear but when they're not being talked to, they are leaning back with their eyes closed, listening to the beautiful music.
0: Right, that is awesome. And uh, and and you also have a book. Yes, you also have a book out that's called um, "Having Surgery." Uh-huh. It asks the question: "Having Surgery, Using and- Music to Reduce Anxiety and Pain Perception."
1: Talk to yes. us about the book, Doctor. Well, I wrote it about two years ago. It was the culmination of all this research and planning I've been doing since the early 90s, actually. And it's divided into three parts. And the first part is intended for the patient with practical down-to-earth explanations and suggestions. The second part is written for the physician, talking about uh, all of the research that's been done and uh, why it is a proven intervention. There's nothing, you know, experimental about it. I mean, this is actually a well-proven intervention, but until now, no one had the headphones. Then the third part is patient testimonials. I have video testimonials of patients who've had all kinds of surgery using the headphones, talking about what a difference it made and how they would never have surgery again without wearing these headphones, because it was such a different experience.
0: And uh, your your headsets became uh, very famous also in well-known hospitals, reputable hospitals like the Mayo Clinic, Yale.
1: Yeah. Yes yes. Uh, the Cleveland Clinic, uh, the Johns Hopkins Hospital, um, the VAs around the country. there's a hospital in South Korea that is using them and that had me to speak to their doctors. I literally went to South Korea. And spoke to a room full of neurosurgeons. Oh,
0: so you train medical staff as well. Yes. Aside from giving conferences.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's right. And, and I also still play some recitals. I just did a recital last month at Sarasota. So I keep my fingers going, which keeps my brain sharp and young. And um, I really feel like at age 75, I'm doing some pretty exciting things.
0: And you're creating value to communities. That's the beauty of it. That's why you're in the show, right? Because <laughs> the, right? there yeah. are there are breakthroughs that um may seem it's been here before, but actually it wasn't like your your headsets, for example, I know that music was available right in ICUs. they were available only for medical staff, for doctors, for surgeons, but not for patients.
1: Right, right. Because again, the idea was the patient was asleep and or in a coma. And now we know there've been studies that show even when people are in coma, they wake up and say, I heard the music that you played for me. And I heard your conversation. And one man uh, at a hospital, he was in a coma for like six weeks. And every day a nurse would come in his room and while she was doing the vital signs and checking him out, she would be humming and sometimes she would sing or whistle. And uh, amazingly, he did come out of the coma. And about six weeks later, he came, went up to the hospital and he said, I want to talk to the singing nurse. And they were like, what singing nurse? We don't have any singing nurse. Wow. And he said, Oh yes, you do. When I was lying here in a coma, there was one nurse and every day when she came in, she was humming, singing or whistling and her voice brought me closer back to life. Wow. And let me know that I was still alive because when she wasn't in there, I wasn't sure whether I was alive or dead, but her voice let me know I was alive.
0: Imagine that. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You see? And that's that's how movies are made. They're made from... You know, circumstances like this in which, since this isn't something that we experience every day or that even the medical staff experience every day, right? It becomes shocking when medical staff realize, you know, this patient still has the hearing, their sense of hearing very strong. And right. from, from what I've heard through the years, that is the last sense that,
1: uh, that leaves,
0: that leaves. Yeah. That's
1: exactly Im- right. Imagine hearing that. Is the last.
0: Right. And it's, it's also very interesting to note babies F- from the sense of you know whoever is there closest to them they start identifying the uh, the sounds the vibrations which exactly. is right which is something that you studied as well right you became very interested in sound vibrations the sound leaving from instruments yes right. and how they get into the basal ganglia
1: well one of the things that i learned was that From the beginning of the second trimester, the fetal ear begins to hear outside and it starts hearing the mother's heartbeat and the mother's blood circulation and the mother's digestion sounds. And by the end of the or by the beginning of the third trimester, the infant can hear pretty much what the mother is hearing outside. That's why it's so important during the third trimester of pregnancy to have a healthy sonic environment and no shouting, no yelling, no loud rock music or anything like that. You want a peaceful environment. And if you begin singing to the baby the third trimester, When she's born, she will recognize that same music and calm down quickly. She already knows her mother's voice. She already knows her father's voice and siblings like that. So it's really good to talk to that baby, talk and sing preferably. During the third trimester every night.
0: Yeah, that's that's awesome. Doctor, it's been an honor. It's been a pleasure. I look forward to having you in another one of my shows
1: in the very near future. All right. I look forward to that too. And thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. Oh, you're very oh, well. Can I mention my Thank website? You. Of course, you can. Surgical Serenity If you go to Surgical Serenity you'll get all the information about the book, about the headphones, about the apps. I have five mobile apps. With my surgery music, you can download and just use AirPods during your surgery. You can buy the headphones, which I recommend, but if you want to just use your own iPhone with AirPods and download one of the apps, that's a really good solution too.
0: Yeah. And, and doctor, your head, your headsets are not, um, only for, um, for surgery. Treat, uh, off for labor
1: and delivery. Yes, yes. Use them in labor and delivery. Yeah. Uh, a women's clinic in Utah just bought five last week wow. and, uh, they can be used for kidney dialysis, for blood transfusions, for chemotherapy. I mean, any medical procedure that is anxiety provoking, these headphones will calm you down and you don't need to take nearly as much pain or anxiety medication. Yeah.
0: Are some of these um
1: your your music? It's all my music. All your music. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I mean the classical music is famous classical composers with right. me playing on the wow. piano. Wow. And uh the jazz, I commissioned a jazz trio here in Louisville to play music that has the tempo of the healthy resting heartbeat. That's what we're looking for. Wow. And once you put the headphones on and that tempo of music in the genre that you have chosen, you just start calming down. So right they get away.
0: to hear a calming heartbeat?
1: It's the tempo of the healthy, resting heartbeat. They're not oh, hearing the heartbeat. They're my. hearing music that has the same tempo. The same as the tempo. the healthy, resting heartbeat. Yeah. And, I- and your own biorhythms. Synchronize with that pulse and calm you down that way
0: right right and what I want listeners to understand also is that it's it's the study that you have done for years about vibration got you to where you are right now and how effective they are reducing anxiety stress mm-hmm. and fear before right. painful events or or from what we can perceive are painful events right Right.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much, doctor. Okay,
1: let's do it again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye.